All right, I am Haggai Davis III, along with Haggai Davis II, and we'd like to welcome you to Tech Gumbo. Our show is a conversation about the past, present, and future of all things technology that we like to keep topical, interesting, and digestible. We want to thank our sponsor, Cardinal Capital, for making this possible. Cardinal Capital connects businesses to capital. It doesn't matter what business that you are in, Cardinal Capital has the resources all across the United States that are willing to help fund organizations of all sizes, life cycles, categories, and locations. Cardinal Capital works with you to craft the best commercial finance package for you to achieve your business goals. Whether you're looking to refinance current debt because of the new government programs and favorable interest rates, or finance new equipment, or maybe you're trying to acquire another business entirely, Cardinal Capital has the resources to make it happen. When lenders cannot do a loan, they seek out Cardinal Capital to help. The Cardinal Capital guys are easy to work with and fun to be around. Contact them today at 225-308-3700 or send them an email at info at cardinalcap.net and they'll be happy to help you with your commercial finance needs. So each week we take a listener question about a topic that they were interested in by visiting our website techgumbo.net and this week's question is, everyone else has been talking about Twitter, why haven't you? So that's a great point. We have been talking internally about Twitter this entire time. We've been paying attention and rolling our eyes through all of it. Those people who heard us on Cup of Tech Gumbo for Thanksgiving got a little dose of it. And ultimately, we decided that since we're not a daily show, we're a weekly show, we like to do a bit more analysis than up-to-the-minute reporting. And so we said that anything that we recorded we were worried would be out of date by the time that it aired. And so we wanted to get a little bit of time for the dust to settle a little bit, for trends to start to develop, for patterns to start to emerge. And then we would comment on that as opposed to just tw- live tweeting what's happening. Bottom line, we were just sick of talking about Twitter on this show. And we decided consciously to take a break and talk about anything else because... Sometimes you just need a break and get away from certain topics that tend to overpower certain shows. And Twitter was overpowering everyone's show. And so we decided, hey, we'll take a few weeks off and then we'll come back. And so beginning of December here in the year 2022, Twitter has now been in the hands of Elon Musk for six weeks. And... Oh my God, have things changed? Yes. the All the predictions that I saw from ahead of time, they said, oh, well, you know, that we think that Musk is going and going to change some things here and there, but we're not expecting large changes to the platform. We think that it'll keep it mostly intact. Those people were all wrong. To start off, his immediate big, biggest problem is half of Twitter's advertisers have stopped advertising on his platform. So that's roughly 50 of the platform's top 100 advertisers accounting for $2 billion in spending in the past two years have stopped advertising in the past month. When you see Chevrolet, Chipotle, Mexican Grill, Ford, Jeep, and AT&T, and Chanel, and Kellogg's, and AMC Networks, who are all very big advertisers, pull the plug and say, "Mm, hold on there, big boy. It throws up a lot of red flags. 
Oh, absolutely. I work here in New York City and I have a lot of friends in advertising and advertising tech. And all the big advertising firms are just nervous about it right now. And it's also really important to point out that this isn't a woke move on their part. This is entirely brand safety. That no one wants a picture of their ad next to a screaming toxic idiot. They're okay with a regular idiot, but it's the specific type of screaming toxic idiots that make all these big companies say, ah, we don't want to touch that. Especially when the big screaming toxic idiot may or may not have been a former president who, as it turns out, has said he's not coming back to the platform. He's going to stay with his own platform, and that's fine. But should he have brought his traveling circus with him back to Twitter, that would have really, really been a big reason why you don't want to advertise and be associated with the entire chaos that he brings with him. Oh, absolutely. And I think it's also important to note that it's not just that former president, that there is a large slew of people who are all saying toxic, disgusting, awful things. And so even if it's not the the leader of the circus coming back, all the little chaos monkeys flying around with him are coming back too. And that's what making a lot of these brands say, I don't want to be near that. It's just, I want to be able to show this to kids. I want this to be able to show it to left and the right, all of them equally. And whenever you have the screaming meanies coming back, that just, that's why a lot of these companies are hesitant. When you're a, when you're Chevrolet, baseball, hot dogs, apple pie, and Chevrolet, you don't want, you don't want chaos. You want that peaceful, that that family with driving across town on the way to grandma's house kind of picture. And and when you have that kind of hate speech almost and everything else that comes along with the extreme violent and vile. And, and this is not a political commentary. Not at all. I, this is not from political right or from political left. This is just about what that actual content does to people. It's also really important that to note that Twitter is going to have a lot hard time tracking all of that. Their audience insights unit, which was a very technically skilled team and looked at conversation volume and trends and also worked with the Twitter sales and marketing team, lost 70% of its staff. Another group that has been decimated by these layoffs. The Twitter analytics staff. Yes. It's also important to note that Twitter's going to have a hard time tracking all of these things. Their audience insights unit, which was a very technically talented team, which looked at conversation volumes, trends, and also worked with Twitter sales and marketing, lost 70% of its staff. Their business analytics unit also lost 70% of their staff. And so whenever you have these whole teams of people whose job it was to sit there and comb through all of these things and to understand how they were operating on the platform, now be one out of four people remaining, they're just not going to be able to do their job as well. It's going to be really, really difficult for the sales team to go out and say, hey, this is why you want to advertise on our platform, because 
Well, that was analytics from before, before the buyout, but it'll be mostly the same. Well, that's not a good sales pitch. Right. Or if a company who's already there says, I want to see the latest quarterly numbers, how many people saw my ad? How many people had all these different views of my ad? And Twitter says, it was pretty good. Don't worry about it. It was, it was, it was worth it. And so when you're Chevrolet, Chipotle, AT&T, any one of these big, huge companies who their, their advertising spend is all data driven and your analytics and data staff are gone and the audience insight staff is gone and can't provide those numbers, how do you go out and get new business? Right, because you have to think that all those companies said, you know what, we had been on Twitter for five or six years now. This is as good as opportunity as any to go to TikTok, to go to Instagram, to go to YouTube and set up on those platforms. And why would they come back? And maybe in six months, the Musk puts the whole thing back together and says, please, please, please come back. But those brands say, I don't know, we're happy here. Why would they go back? Well, and when you also consider Facebook has around 2 billion users, TikTok has a couple of billion, billion and a half users, and Twitter has 250 million. It's not like you're swimming in the same same lane in the pool. You're not even in the same pool. Yeah. Twitter is a, is a very US-centric platform, and you know that's 250 million people. It's just not as many. And so it's really tough. Whenever you are applying this, these big shocks to this system, Musk is betting that they're going to survive. You know, he's got all the numbers that say that the impressions are up, users are up, tweets are up, all these things are, the user base is there, but is the advertising revenue there? That's the question is, is there enough money to keep the wheels on, to keep the wheels turning? Because, oh boy, it's looking rough right now. Well, you mentioned revenue. One of the things that Mr. Musk has talked about in the last six weeks is taking this Twitter blue thing to $7.99, 8 bucks, whatever you want to call it. And it's been pointed out to him that if your users are using iPhones and they sign up for that Twitter blue with their iPhones, well, the iPhone app store gets 30% of all that revenue. Apparently, this was news to Musk because he tweeted out, did you know that Apple puts a secret 30% tax on everything you buy through their app store? The answer is yes. We on this show have talked about it, and this is not exactly news. Steve Jobs announced this when the app store was first announced back in 2008. This has always been a part of their platform. Now, this 30% has been controversial recently. We've talked about what effects does this have on the ecosystem. And so this actually opens up a can of worms, which had kind of settled for a little bit, but it does get a little interesting here. Well, the Google Play Store may not take a full 30%. They do take a healthy cut themselves of everything. And that $8 of revenue he was expecting from the blue check quickly looks like five fifty. That kind of that hits the old pocketbook quickly, especially because it's not even like he could just add an additional service or add something else. It's anything, any sort of microtransaction that happens on the app, Apple takes 30 percent of. So 
if you increases the price from eight bucks up to ten bucks or up to twelve bucks, now all of a sudden do users say, uh, maybe it was worth eight, but it's not worth twelve? I, I'm not sure about that. I don't know how we picked the $8 number in the first place. I'm not sure if that was based upon some internal calculations or if he drew the number out of a hat. Who's I, to say? I think but, it was a, it was a, it was a tweet from Stephen King. The sci-fi writer said, well, I'll do it for 8 but not 20 And so he said, oh, okay, well, let's go with $8. Yeah, that's. I really hope that there was more internal logic than that. But now that you say that, I remember that interaction. And and one of the things that we've brought up is that in some ways it does feel like the past president. Wherever you see him tweet stuff, and you're like, is that official? Did he mean that? Is that like what we're doing now, or were you joking there? Was that was that a meme? Did you meant to be taken seriously? Who's to say? All of this is so up in the air and fluid that it it changes day to day here. When President Trump was in office, the the real Donald Trump and the, the at the White House, it was official doctrine. When when he put out a tweet, that's what that that was his his speaking. That was the president speaking. However, and when Elon Musk puts out something, you just don't know. Is this official Twitter doctrine that or is he just clowning somebody again? Because he clowns people way more than he puts out official information. Oh, it's it's at minimum 50-50. Because even whenever Donald Trump said that he was staying on True Social, Elon Musk posted some memes which just reeked of desperation. But he's going to, and his supporters are going to say that he was memeing the whole time, that he didn't mean to be that thirsty, that it was all a joke. Sure, okay, but it's just, it's tough to understand. Everyone's going to view it differently as to whether or not they think he's joking, whether he's being serious. It's a Rorschach test. When you just go back and look at six weeks where he's been, he drops $44 billion, he takes the company private, he lays off at this point almost 75% of the company, he's going to throw out the $8 verification subscriptions and then he pulls that back and then he says we're going to do content moderation but oh we're not going to do content moderation but we have to do content moderation and then that was 10 days in (laughs) yeah he's much like we predicted early on he's quickly realizing that the point of content moderation is not some grand ideological struggle it's advertising Advertisers want tranquility. They want calmness. They want safety. And so all of these things that he's doing, he's learning the hard way that it wasn't because the past people were in it for the mob or whatever. It's that they wanted money. And I assume that Musk wants money too. Although if his plan is to move away from advertising entirely towards subscription-based, then maybe he's not as reliant on advertising. But again, what are your projections on how many users are actually going to pay this uh, amount of money for your subscription service? How much of that money is going to go into your pocket versus Apple's pockets? There have yet to be any sort of grand plans released. And my guess is even if there was some grand plan released, it would change by the time it was finished anyway. We saw an article on the Washington Post that talks about how Twitter needs Apple more than Apple needs Twitter. And 
Mr. Musk, he put out a tweet here today. Of He took a tour. Tim Cook took him around the whole Apple complex. And, and he's trying to make nice, apparently, with Apple. But even if he makes nice, Apple's not going to negotiate down that 30%. It's also important that there's a step in the middle here that somehow Musk got it in his head that Apple was going to pull Twitter off the App Store. And that that was going to be a fight and that Musk had declared that Apple was going to remove Twitter off the App Store because of censorship reasons and that therefore Apple was anti-free speech. And he went on a long stream of posts about it. He even said, I'll create my own cell phone. I'll create my own smart smartphone platform to compete with the iOS and the Android phones. And then today... Musk met with Tim Cook and Tim Cook said, no, there was never any plan to pull Twitter off the Apple App Store. And so, sure, Musk had a great time posting about it. He got fired up and good for you. But this feels like a very dangerous way to do business. It feels unstable. And boy, if this is how you're going to respond to every rumor that you hear, that's interesting as a choice. When you drop $44 billion and you have your your skin is that thin to where a single tweet makes you destroy a company you just bought? How is it that he built this rocket company, this car company, and did so well with that? Oh, because those are engineering-based, as we've talked about in the past, not emotion-based the way social media is. One of the things that I've seen from a reporter who knew him very well, her name is Kara Swisher. She's done a lot of very good technical and internet reporting. She said that this is not the same person. She said that he has spent way too much time being too online. He is too deep into Twitter now, and he's he's sitting there reading all the comments. And you never read the YouTube comments. You never read the Facebook comments. You never read the Twitter comments because they're all trash. They are bad for you. It is worse than junk food for your brain and it's fried his brain. And that's where he is now. He is too deep into all of those, into the cesspool. And so it's turned his brain to mush. And that's because she said that if you had asked her two years ago in a vacuum, who was the person who she would pick to turn Twitter around? She said she would have taken Musk because on paper he could do this. But he is turned into his own worst enemy here and is just gone completely off the rails because he clearly has some level of business acumen to build Tesla, to build SpaceX, to build all those other companies. But this isn't it. We're not seeing the same person here. And who's to say what will bring that same level-headed, maybe a little crazy, but still efficient business leader back? And what it is doing is it's running off some really good talent. And this really good talent, they're getting job offers from other social media platforms who really want to know about that secret sauce of how Twitter was doing keeping toxic information away and and how they were subsiding and and quelling all the, the discord that was out there. Because Twitter is so quick to allow content to flow. Twitter is always based upon quick, quick, quick. Now all these people are showing up at 
other places, resume in hand. Oh, yeah. A lot of those people who were fired, not all of them, but a lot of the senior level staff who had really built a very competent machine, they're going to go to all the other platforms with their severance pay from Twitter and probably take a pay raise. And their whole job was to be, oh, yeah, here at Twitter, this is how we did it. And all the people they're talking to are just going to be furiously scribbling notes and changing themselves to look like what Twitter used to look like. It just didn't have to happen that way. And I love Twitter. And so I'm like you were hoping this tries to get back on the tracks because it left the tracks about six weeks ago. I just don't know. I agree. And we want to thank General Informatics for sponsoring our show. General Informatics is an information technology firm with a mission. And that mission is to make our clients even more successful through the best use of technology. Based in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, General Informatics is a premier IT managed services provider delivering exceptional managed IT solutions to a diverse base of customers from Texas to the Carolinas. From the beginning, we have maintained our commitment to meeting the growing needs of our clients through the continuous use of innovation. With over 20 years of experience and a team of 120 plus employees, including technicians, engineers, programmers, and designers, GI has evolved to become the leading IT partner of businesses, schools, and government agencies. Our managed services teams can run your digital infrastructure or support your team on an on-demand basis, letting you focus on your business's strength. This has become a proven formula. So proven that 98% of our clients continue to do business with us year after year. Whether you need new IT services, new technology, or you just have a question, visit us on the web at geninf.com. And if you enjoyed our show today, we're here on Talk 107.3 FM every Saturday at 4, and the show will rerun Sunday at 4. If you missed any part of our show, or you would like to hear any of the previous episodes, check out our podcast which is available on most every platform, including Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, TuneIn, Stitcher, Podcast Attic, Overcast, Player FM, and more. And when you're there, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified every time a new episode is posted. If you like our show, if you have some suggestions or want to submit a question, let us know by visiting our website, techgumbo.net. Thank you for listening to Tech Gumbo.